Welcome to Climbing the Pockets Mock Draft Mondays. Who will the Vikings pick and who's your favorite choice? Good evening and welcome to another edition of Mock Draft Monday. I'm your host, Tyler Fornis, and it is me and Dave flying solo today. And Dave, I'm excited to talk ball with you tonight. Good, so am I, and we know there was a bunch of news today that may affect yes, sir. how and, the Vikings draft. And uh, we're, we'll start with the news that uh, more directly impacts the Vikings than anything. Cornerback uh, Jeff Gladney was uh, uh, turned himself in today to police down in Texas on, I believe it was felony, a third-degree family violence assault. Now, sure. essentially what that means is, uh, if he's convicted, it's two to ten years in prison. All right, and based on the reports that we've seen, what is alleged that happened is absolutely disgusting. And any human being that treats another person that way that should be should get the book thrown at them. We're not going to talk about what allegedly happened, but what we are going to talk about is how the fact that these allegations are hanging over the head of Jeff Gladney, whether. 100% true, 100% false, or somewhere in between, it's going to impact uh, how this team uh, proceeds forward because it's going to be very hard to count on him on the football field. And as much as there's more important things going on, we're just going to focus on the football aspect. And Dave, it's obviously really frustrating to see somebody that you invested so much capital into that uh, from all, all reports, he was a good person. And mm-hmm. then to see something like this happen – is so crushing on on an insurmountable amount of levels. But just on a football level, this really puts the Vikings in a bind because he was he was supposed to be a starter for this team. Well, it's frustrating. A lot of people had him starting as the nickel corner this year. They brought in McKenzie Alexander, and then there was debate. I still thought he was going to start as the nickel, and McKenzie was going to be the floater, the fourth. They were going to battle it out. We we're going to find out in camp. Obviously, that's not going to happen. It looks like McKenzie's Alexander will be the locked-in nickel corner now. However, because of the circumstances, it does give a lifeline to Mike Hughes. If Mike is healthy, that was one of the positions he played and trained at. So... It gives us, before what I liked is we had five corners in the cornerback room that have started at a certain level or above that had all started, whether it be Mike Hughes, Gladney, Dantzler, of course, McKenzie Alexander, and of course, Patrick Peterson. That drops us down to four. And as Mike Zimmer said, you can never have enough corners especially good ones, and we found that out last year when they were going to get some at the 7-Eleven because they didn't have enough due to injuries. It's going to be interesting because with it, at minimum, you could probably guess that there's going to be an NFL suspension. At minimum. If not, conviction in the courts and then prison time. Either way, it's going to mess up the Vikings' plans. Will that change how the Vikings plan to draft? Does that move corner back into that talk 
with the first round pick. What do you think? I think it's going to, and I don't necessarily view taking a cornerback in the first round as a good or a bad thing. I think it's, it's something that if you feel like the guy's worth it at a position like that, which is an incredibly premium position, especially in today's league where you're seeing teams spread you out three, four wide constantly, and you're going to, you need players in the secondary. Uh, If you have Patrick Sertan eighth on your board, okay, and he's available at 14, it's going to be really hard to say no because that's a very talented football player at a position where you still want to keep increasing your depth. The two guys that you signed are on one-year deals. Mike Hughes is going to be a free agent after this year too. So in reality, you're looking at only Cameron Dantzler possibly having a future beyond the 2021 season with the Minnesota Vikings. So it is an area of need. And I don't necessarily know if you want to invest your first-round pick with all the other needs on this team. This fan base is going to go absolutely ballistic if it's a cornerback. And quite frankly, I would love to see it just just for the memes. But (laughs) you have good cornerbacks throughout the first and second round, and even into the third round you can get quality players. If the Vikings feel like the talent is there and it's a better talent than other positions, I think you got to make the pick. And you're going to be in a position this year where that player is going to have time to develop. Mike Zimmer doesn't like to put too much on his players at the cornerback position right away because he asks a lot of them. And that's why you saw Trey Wayne's kind of babied early on. That's why you saw Mackenzie Alexander treated the same way. Mike Hughes was the anomaly. Mike Hughes was a guy who came in and was getting um, snaps and play time right away, but he also earned it. And Mike Zimmer felt he could trust Mike Hughes to do things, which is why he got that playing time. Dantzler and Gladney, they probably shouldn't have played the snaps that they did last year, but they didn't really have a choice. They had nobody. And if you take a cornerback in round one this year, you're looking at, at a guy who's going to have time to develop. And Patrick Sertan II is probably the only one out of this top group that I think you're going to throw in day one and you're going to expect him to play really well. I think J.C. Horn, he's my cornerback three. He has a little bit more time that he needs. Maybe like week six, you could start getting him some a lot of snaps. Greg Newsom II is my corner four. He's probably going to go on the back end around one. I would watch the Jets for him because he's that perfect cover three corner. Uh, and I think you, you could probably expect the same thing out of him, like about six weeks, get him some time, get him some occasional snaps, like 25% market share. And you're looking at a guy who can be successful. Should Do I think the Vikings should, based on what the board provides? I really don't know. I think, Dave, we're going to do a simulation here in a few minutes. And I think we should really have a conversation about who's on the board and what corners are there and how, how we should value them. Well, um, we're talking about corners being a premium position. Explain mm-hmm. to the viewers what premium position means. Absolutely. So uh, there are a few premium positions. Quarterback, wide receiver, offensive line, edge, and corner. Those five positions are more important than the others on the field. Now, if you are tell me, hey, I can have John Elway or Barry Sanders. You're going to take John Elway every time. 
you're going to take the Hall of Fame quarterback over the Hall of Fame running back because of positional value. Quarterback is more important than a running back because, one, they touch the ball in every play. Mm-hmm. Two, they can have the most impact of any position on the field. And three, running backs play such a high-impact position as far as physicality is concerned. They're going to hit all the time. 20, 25 carries a game. Like Adrian Peterson is probably going to be that last genuine workhorse back we may ever see because of how the game is evolving with with it not only being vertical but way more lateral from sideline to sideline with speed and spacing and all these spread concepts. And it's just really hard to justify getting a guy – like if you take Barry Sanders and put him in today's game, he's going to be a Hall of Famer again, and there's no question about it. But if Barry Sanders is going to give you 1,800 rushing yards and 15 touchdowns, and you can get James Robinson as a UDFA, and he's going to get you 1,200 yards and 10 touchdowns, mm-hmm. you're probably going to take the 1,210 and get yourself a quarterback because the quarterback is going to be able to maximize the rest of your team. So those those positions, that's why we talk about in the draft community, that's why we talk about premium positions and positional value. Because then it's one of the reasons why I preach guards don't matter. Unless you're taking Quentin Nelson, you can get average guard play uh, in the in the second and third round. And that's all this team needs. If this team had average guard play, we'd be talking a whole different story about what this offense is. And that's why the, the premium position element really makes a difference because they make the most impact on the team. Well, I like to explain it as you want guys that score points and you want guys that stop people from scoring points. And like you said, that's quarterbacks, it's wide receivers, it's offensive tackles. Not you said the whole line, but it's the offensive tackles that make mm-hmm. the biggest impact. And mm-hmm. on the defensive side, it's the defensive ends, the rush, the main part of the rush. That's where your offensive tackles come into play. And your corners for stopping those receivers. And corners are more important than safeties when you're talking production wise and that's why those guys are premium positions that's why they are valued more and higher in the draft unless you find a Quentin Nelson type that you know is a surefire deal you go down the the other positions drop down in the draft because they're not valued as much so if say the Vikings take a guard pure guard with the first pick that's usually something we consider drafting wise is they're overvaluing that player. It's just like if they mm-hmm. would take a kicker, you'd go why? Because you know, you can find kickers either if you're going to draft them in the later rounds and I don't even recommend drafting them. I remember recommend picking them up as free agents that you can find and hit on just as easily and then save that higher round choice for that premier position, be it quarterback being the number one, or mm-hmm. any of the others we just discussed. Absolutely. And I think something to remember with uh, taking players high at a lack of a premium position, kind of like you mentioned with guard, mm-hmm. um, a nose tackle. If they're a transcendent type player, Quentin sure. Nelson was a transcendent player. He was number one, I remember reading, in Dane Brugler and Daniel Jeremiah's draft boards in 2018 as a guard. He came in to a a Colts team that 
desperately needed offensive line help, and he he took that offensive line and made him a bottom five unit and turned him into a top five unit. That's the kind of player that you you consider the outlier for the premium position because he makes that big of an impact. Linebackers are kind of the same way. Devin White was a middle linebacker drafted number five. Mm-hmm. Well, you watch the Super Bowl and saw how he was just flying around the field and how big of an impact he made. He was an outlier because he was able to shoot those gaps, play well in, co- in coverage, and do all these things. They're outliers at those positions, and it's okay to take that kind of guy if you think they're transcendent like that. So if when you hear me talk about Rashawn Slater and Elijah Barrett Tucker and how I view them as guards at the mm-hmm. next level, and I have nothing to do with them at 14, it's because I don't view them as transcendent type players. I don't see them as, hey, this guy is going to make such a big impact that it's going to be worth the selection at 14, whereas I could get Wyatt Davis with a trade-up into round two or one of my favorite players in this class, David Moore, out of Grambling. He's just a little bowling ball, six one and a half, and and three thirty five, and oh, he's fun. He he's what uh, um, some of my guys and I like to call fatletes because they're big boys, but they are athletes. And he's he's got some of the funnest tape I've seen this year. But we'll talk more about premium positions as we kind of go into the draft. But the last thing we need to talk about before we really dive in, Dave, Sam Darnold is a Carolina Panther. Yes. Yeah, he was traded to the Panthers for a sixth-round pick this year a, and a second and a fourth-round pick next year. So what that tells us is the Jets are 100% taking a quarterback. It was already for sure then. It is even more so now. And the Panthers are out on quarterback in the top 10, which can be a big detriment to what the Minnesota Vikings are trying to do because if five quarterbacks go before the Vikings, it's going to leave one more quality player for the Vikings being able to draft. That could be one of those top four receivers, including Kyle Pitts. That could be top corner. Uh, Micah Parsons could be available, especially with the um, uncertainty with surrounding Anthony Barr. Like, There's a whole ripple effect to the fact that the Panthers are no longer in the quarterback market. And it's going to be really interesting to see how things play out. Uh, does a team now really jump up to number four are the Lions going to look to trade back because they're going to be able to get a haul? Like so many elements are coming into play now. Who knows? Maybe the Dolphins flip again and they end up getting more first round picks. Like Could be. At, I, I want your opinion, Dave, because when it comes to with how the Vikings are sitting, it's kind of frustrating that Darnold got moved right now because it does leave even more uncertainty for what's going to be available for them at 14. Well, it's it's a matter of do the top two tackles are Sewell and Slater. Does Slater drop that far? The wide receivers, the top wide receivers, how many get selected ahead? Because now it looks like well, with Carolina out of the QB market, they may take one. How does what does Denver look for? There's we're going to find out. I mean, we're going to find out in what three weeks from Thursday night. Yeah. But anyways, let's start this draft. 
Let's look. Let's see if the Draft Network has updated their stuff already. They should. They have been pretty good about updating their stuff and making sure that it's 100% ready to go. Here we go. <laughs> has San Francisco taking Penny Sewell? Interesting. You know, if you weren't giving up multiple first-round picks to move up to that spot, I don't hate it. They have a need at offensive line, and Sewell uh, would be a plug-and-play starter. But you trade up, up that much capital and you don't take a quarterback. Oh, just rough. Okay, drop 10 positions, get a first, a fourth, a seventh, and a fourth next year. I don't think that's worth it. Uh, if you're going to be dropping uh, 10 positions, uh, especially with the trade value charts, you need to be getting a second. This one I like. You get a f- – wait, oh, never mind. That's a sixth? That's a six round. Ah, gross. If if that was a four, I would take it. Right, um, but it's but a six. Like the 49ers moved down one spot with the Buccaneers last year, and they got a four. If from this exact selection, I'm mm-hmm. not making that move, and I'm guessing you're in agreement as well. Yeah, no, it's not worth it. Okay, perfect. Let's kind of see what the board uh, has shaped up. Okay, right now we have these are your folks that have been or here's who's available. Okay. So you're looking at uh, both JC Horn and, and Patrick Sertan the second are off the board. Mm-hmm. And you can tell because uh um the Panthers to corner there, Mike. that they have really updated uh their servers. Mike, mm-hmm. what's up? Eagles uh, suck, by the way. And both tackles are gone. Sewell, obviously, in this draft, went third to San Francisco, and Slater went just in front of us. Mm-hmm. And, hey, you know how I feel about Slater. I think he's going to project best at guard. I don't think he's an incapable tackle, but it's one of those things. You want to be a really good tackle, or do you want to mm-hmm. be a potential all-pro? So I think he can be a potential all-pro as an interior offensive lineman. All right. We are going to, for this exercise, Dave, we're going to ignore the fact that Justin Fields is on the board. Well, if, if, Ju- this, if, it, if Justin Fields is on the board right now, one, I'd be happy if the Vikings took him, but they won't. Mm-hmm. Two, they should be uh, answering the phone because there will be teams that want to trade up mm-hmm. to grab him. Yeah, you, you can... You can get a lot for this pick, especially when you look at what if the Steelers come up? Are they going to offer a first next year to come get Justin Fields? Ben Roethlisberger is pretty much done. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fields would be perfect in that offense. Like, uh, What about the Bears? Would you be willing to trade with the Bears so they can come up and get Justin Fields? Uh, what about the Washington football team? It would like, depend on the hall for an interdivision rival. But- it, oh, it would absolutely have to be a Hall, Dave, but it's something you have to at least think about and consider because that's mm-hmm. a good football player. Um, and then well, looking uh, throughout, you've got uh, Micah Parsons, Christian Derrissaw, Elijah Vera Tucker, Jalen Phillips, Tevin Jenkins, all on the board still. I want to talk about Micah Parsons here a little bit, Dave, because we really haven't spent a lot of time on him on this show. Micah Parsons, uh, if 
we're going to ignore the football aspect right now. He has a major red flag. So he was accused in a civil suit of hazing. Um, and we're talking some pretty nasty stuff. Uh, he was uh, accused of taking his dick out, rubbing it against freshmen, imitating sexual assault, and sanduskying them. Like, we're talking some really, really bad stuff. Not, not like hazing, like, hey, I'm going to shave your head or I'm going to make you do, like, the naked mm-hmm. mile. Stuff that's, in, in comparison, relatively harmless. This is some pretty nasty, grotesque stuff. And it, for the most part, it's kind of flown under the radar a little bit. There hasn't gotten a lot of traction and discussion. Um, his teammate, Yeter Gross Matos, uh, was a second-round pick last year of the Carolina Panthers, so it didn't really affect him that much because where he was slotted is about where he went. But the football player is really, really good. Ran a 4-3-6-40 at his pro day. He did opt out for the 2020 season, which with COVID, I don't believe A lot him. of players did. He kind of plays a Kyle Van Noy type role. He, he can rush off the edge. He can drop back in coverage. He can be an on-ball linebacker. He can do a little bit of everything. His best role is probably a middle linebacker in the NFL. If the Vikings think they can make him an Anthony Barr, it's something that I think they're going to consider because Anthony Barr, his contract is up after this, this season. season. Yep. And one guy to watch out for that, his name is Zaven Collins. He's a linebacker out of Tulsa, especially with the trade back. Zayvon Collins, my comp for him is Anthony Barr. They test him incredibly similar. They play similar on the field. I don't use comps very often. This one fit like a glove, and that's why I've been using it. Now, obviously, but with the big red flag and what happened today, mm-hmm. it might shy away the Vikings from taking anybody with red flags. Oh, I 100% agree. And we're not just and- talking the weed guy. Um, and Gladney had an issue with it was reported on Monday morning quarterback last year after we drafted him. There was red flags for drug issue, and they were hoping getting him out of Texas would help. Um, but obviously, what he was accused of today was more than had it, and there's nothing related to drugs. They may be shying away from that again. Now it hasn't stopped them in the past. And they tried to bring in folks, Dalvin Cook being one of them, trying to get him Mm -hmm. out of a bad situation. Micah Parsons I find fascinating. And you know Mike Zimmer, even with the offensive needs, is still going to be jonesing for a defender. Because Mm -hmm. that's Mike Zimmer. Absolutely he will. Um, I don't think Mike... Micah Parsons would be the best fit here. If you're going to take a defender, um, Jalen Phillips is still on the board. Quiddy Pay, I believe, is still on the board. And those guys would fit like a glove opposite of Daniil Hunter. And then you have offensive linemen. And I think one guy that hasn't gotten enough talk about from us is Tevin Jenkins. Tevin Jenkins tested way, way, way more athletic at his pro day than I expected, and he's going to meet all those thresholds that they have, like the Brian O'Neills and the Ezra Cleveland, those athletic testing numbers. And Jenkins, if you don't want to play him at tackle right away, you can play him at guard until you kind of figure out uh, what you want to do. Maybe, hey, you decide our best five offensive linemen as Rashad Hill at left tackle, and you put Tevin Jenkins at left guard. And you can do that for a year so and then eventually. four tackles and a center. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Um, 
hey, Jenkins has the profile to be. It may work. Yeah. I don't think Ezra Cleveland is a guard. I don't. I think that he is a tackle. But I think Tevin Jenkins, the way he plays, his profile, and his skill set, I think he can be a really good guard or tackle. And I think early on, if you want to play him at guard, I think I think you're going to be fine doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're kind of um, looking at the board here. Bateman obviously went at 12. Hey, Mike, the Eagles finally picked a good wide receiver in round one. Congratulations. I, I'm very happy for you. Um, Jeremiah Usukoromoa. I think it would be a fun um, option on a trade down, Dave, because he is a linebacker safety hybrid, kind of in the mold of like Buda Baker, uh, plays similar to Honey Badger at times. Um, he's he's an incredibly fast off-ball linebacker that's going to play like an overhang safety role in sub packages. Good size, uh, too. The biggest, the biggest issue with uh, Koromoa is he's he doesn't really have a position, which if you're creative enough, it doesn't matter. But in base defenses, how are you going to use him? And I think it that element is going to push him down the board a little bit because I don't know if teams are going to want to take a guy who, like, I have to pigeonhole him into doing stuff where, oh, I can just take this guy and I already know what he's going to bring me on a down-in, down-out basis. Mm-hmm. But he would be fascinating as a chess piece for Mike Zimmer. So um, with that, let's make our selection. I think uh, making this selection, I I want to take this uh, as kind of a no offensive line first round draft. I think we should take Jalen Phillips. He has the concussion questions. He had a medical retirement. Now, the I want to bring this up because he chose to retire. He was not forced to retire. He's just like nah, I'm done. He got he was out of football for a year, and then he got the itch. He's like, nah, I'm coming back. I miss this too much. And he obviously passed all the tests and everything. So. He was cleared by the doctors at the University of Miami. So if you're cleared by the doctors at the University of Miami, that's a good sign. But what's what the brain look like? Fields still on the board. What? The second round. Oh, my gosh. There he goes. This, he went, what, what pick did he go? Uh, there's no way to pause this, is there? Yes, you can there click is. draft log, though. No, I can hit pause. He went, I want to say to Dallas. Hit hit draft, draft log. log. Oh, my God. San Francisco. The Niners got Justin Fields. Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, wow. that is fantastic. <laughs> wow. Man, at that point, it, he if Fields falls that far, he, there better be video of him snorting coke at a frat party or something. Mm-hmm. Like, there is, it's inexcusable. Okay, trade offer. Yes. A third and a sixth to move up to 63. Let's do it, Dave. Oh, hell, <laughs> yes. Bada boom. Bada boom. And All right. Here we go. Available players. All right. Two tight ends right off the bat. Pat, Pat Fryermuth, who a lot of people I respect had, had him as tight end one during the summer. Um, he is a more complete style tight end. Kind of think of the mold of George Kittle where you're going to ask him to do a little bit of everything. He's going to do a little bit of everything well. Brevin Jordan, the tight end out of Miami, he's a, a pure pass-catching type player. He doesn't uh, do well through contact, though, which is very interesting. Um, Javon Holland tested very, very well at Oregon's Pro Day last week, which was massive for him. 
Um, Milton Williams, I have not watched any of his tape. I know the Draft Network guys absolutely love him as an interior defensive lineman. Um, obviously, we took a, a defensive end uh, with our first pick. And I yeah. like that you pulled up Quinn Miners because he is finally on the mock draft machine. And I don't know. Have we talked about him yet, Dave? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. I love Quinn Miners. He played at D3 Wisconsin Whitewater, and he was just annihilating guys. Like, you're talking like the cream of the crop in D3, St. John's, Mary Harden Baylor. He was throwing people around like ragdolls and just destroying. And because he was such a better athlete than a lot of these guys, he ended up on the ground a lot because he over-pursued. He reached too much on, like, zone blocking. Mm -hmm. And it was... It was a little frustrating to watch because he should be a little more dominant, but a lot of it's just technique and just playing smart and more disciplined football. He went to Mobile, and he was probably the best interior offensive lineman in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. Uh, he is in the top 50 players of Daniel Jeremiah, and of the people that I have watched right now, and mm -hmm. I'll say this with a caveat, I am just starting um, the quarterbacks, so I'm a little behind. He is right now 35 on my board. Done. I love Quinn Miners and what he can bring to the to the NFL. I think with the flexibility of playing guard and center, that's exactly what you want out of like kind of like a, a mid round pick. Second round is where I start to really value guards. You can you can find all pros in round two and round three. And I think Quinn Miners with a, a couple of years, I think he could get to that that maybe not quite that level, but he could get, get really close. All right, let's scroll up and let's see what the board has for us. Quarterback. I have watched Davis Mills, and let me tell you about Davis Mills. He only has 11 starts, but he has a hose. He has a very good arm. He can throw accurately, but he doesn't have a lot of playing time because he sat behind K.J. Costello, and he has a torn ACL. He's dealt with some injuries. That's why he hasn't played very much. Well, I so, do like he does a good job with subtle movements inside the pocket. Mm -hmm. We wish yes, our starting um, quarterback did better with that. I know. Like one of the knocks but it against shows his uh, lack of athleticism otherwise. He's not unathletic. He is he's just nowhere near the athlete these top four quarterbacks are. And I think that's a fair distinction. He ran a four six six at the pro day. He's able to move. He's not going to create a lot outside of structure, uh, but he's not incapable of it either. I think he's a great development quarterback. Now, when we take a look at the rest of the board, Paul Sinidibo, I know that is Deshaun's guy, like a developmental type corner. He has some injury concerns too, and his play kind of dipped off a little bit. Mm -hmm. I like him. I don't love him, but I think he would be a really good selection He's got the size. He's got the pedigree. Um, he was projected, if he would have come out it, for the 2020 draft, he probably could have been a first-round pick. Uh, Paulson Debo's a good football player. With the Vikings' need at cornerback, I think that would be a good selection. But I'll say this. We got our offensive guard. We got our edge. I see Spencer Brown is on the board. Dave, Spencer Brown... Uh, do you are you familiar with the RAS relative athletic scores mm -hmm. from um, at Mapbomb? 
Spencer Brown is the number one tackle in the last 30 years. He's the most athletic, according to RAS. Where do you see him? There he is, right there. Yep. I just watched him the other day. He's a really good football player. He, he is 6'8 and a quarter, and he does bend a little bit at the waist at times, which is frustrating. But overall, he uses leverage pretty well, and he's got length, and he's able to kind of divert players. He is not afraid to get nasty in the running game, and I think he's going to need a little bit of time to really get a lot of mass and get a lot of strength, especially in that lower half. But because of what he is initially, I think he could be a really good football player, and he could. I don't think you want to start him day one, but he could be your starter next year and be a really good left tackle or a right tackle if you want to move O'Neal over to the left side, which it it hasn't been ruled out by the Vikings yet, at right. least publicly. Oh, they're so, not, and they shouldn't. They should they should go through camp and move the guys around, see where they play best, see where they have. Uh, because a lot of these guys coming up, all the linemen, played mm-hmm. the line usually on the left side because they were the best guy on the team, and mm-hmm. you put you on, they put them on the left. So it's, I want to see a competition there. And if it's O'Neal at left, if it's Rashad at left, if it's Cleveland at left, go at it. Bet, may the best man win. And then, you know, work them in the different positions and see who's doing better at which and then put your best guys in those positions. But until camp rolls around and they can put on pads, they got to be able to, and we're talking people, to, you're going to hear about, well, they're running this and they're running that, but they're just in shells. That's not the same. They've got to be in pads and they've got to be hitting for you to determine how well they're going to do. And once you do that, you can set your line. I have no issue going with Spencer Brown and developing him. So that gives us the old line at this point is done. From here on out in the draft, if we take Brown, we're done on the old line, basically, unless we're doing backup picks later in the, you know, later in the draft. But right now we've solved, quote, solved the old line issue. Agree? Perfect. There we go. We have Spencer Brown. And now as as we move into round four, we have a lot of different ways we can go here, Dave. And I kind of like that flexibility. Well, there's still another premium position I want to hit up. Mm -hmm. There's a couple I want to hit up. All right. The trade offer is 111 and 190 for 119 and 168. I don't think that's going to be worth moving uh, up. moving up eight spots to give that, that much right. uh, in, later on in the draft. So I would decline. Oh, Dallas. Dallas All right, they want to give us nah. 19 spots? No. They're smoking crack. No. Yes. All right. Let's take a look. So far we have an edge, an interior offensive lineman, and a tackle. So we're kind of looking at, hey, what can we bring to the Vikings that will make a difference? All right. So taking a look, um, one guy had just watched Dave, Kendrick Green. He's going to be a target for the Vikings. We aren't going to take him in the simulation, but my goodness, is he an athletic specimen. Mm-hmm. And he plays nasty football. Israel Mukuamu is the cornerback who started out opposite 
J.C. Horn. He is 6'4". He's a big boy. He's not the, the most fluid mover, but, yeah, but he's not exactly bad. I think his ceiling is probably a low-end cornerback, too. But I also think he can be a really good football player, and he could be a special teamer to start and be a developmental guy down the line. Uh, there are obviously a lot of defensive linemen right here. Let's take Mukuamu. We haven't really talked a lot about him, and this this will kind of give us a good picture of what the Vikings could do with all this uh, with this different um, style of draft that we're doing. All right. Still a lot of edge guys, uh, which is good. Um, Dave, we were talking about premium positions earlier, and mm-hmm. you said there was one you wanted to hit. Which one was that? Wide receiver. All right, let's pull up wide receivers. Let's kind of see what we got. I see Frank Darby is available, which is good. Darby's a good football player, but I don't know if I necessarily value him in the fourth round. Seth Williams, we kind of talked about. He's just – he's such an unknown because Bonix was a quarterback, but he's an X. Um Anthony Schwartz is a guy I want to focus on because Anthony Schwartz, Dave, like people talk about Olympic speed. Anthony Schwartz decided to pursue uh, the NFL route instead of training to be an Olympic sprinter. He has Olympic level speed. Uh, I think it, the fastest he ever ran the 100 was 10.16. So we're talking, yeah, the guy can move, but. He also was incredibly misused at at Auburn because of his quarterback, the offense that they played in, because they weren't really able to move the ball down the field, even though he's got Olympic-level speed. Anthony Schwartz is a good project wide receiver who can give you enough day one, and he can be your return man, which, considering what the Vikings need right now, I think the return man element should make him really, really uh, valuable for a team that wants a third wide receiver can develop him and he can give you impact right away, returning the football. Schwartz it is. Perfect. So now we're looking at pick 134 and we can uh, transition back to looking at the full big board um, and kind of see where we have, we have, I know a couple of my guys are going to be there, but I don't want to just take my guys every time because (laughs) <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I could take Kylan Hill every day of the week and be happy. Uh, but no. Right. Um, um, so one guy, I, have we talked about Stone Forsyth yet? I think we did once. Six foot was, seven, two, three twenty nine. Good size. He is. Uh, he's actually bigger than that. He's six eight. Uh, he measured in six eight at his pro day. So obviously. Everybody who knows me knows I'm a massive Florida Gators fan. I've seen every snap that Stone Forsyth has taken as an offensive tackle. And I'll tell you this, he never stood out to me as a, as a player that's going to be better than like a swing tackle at the next level. Right. But I've seen some people I really respect have him as offensive tackle six. On NFL.com, he's offensive lineman 11. That's including interior guys. So th- he's getting legit praise brandon thorne offensive line guru has him as a top 10 tackle so i'm like okay i must have missed something so i put the film on the guy's good he's not exceptional at anything but he He doesn't he's heavy footed a little bit 
yeah, he's a big boy. He's not going to be the biggest, uh, the quickest mover. But playing vertically, Dave, he doesn't let guys get past him. And he's, he, I think if he can be uh, come a little bit more nimble on his feet, he's going to be even more consistent against speed rushers. Because he handled the Zeeds Ojolari pretty well when Florida played Georgia this year. And Ojolari, a lot of people have his edge one. Yeah. I have a hot take. Ojolari is my edge six because I have Peyton Turner at edge five. And I am in love with Peyton Turner playing football. Uh, <laughs> Forsyth, I think, could be a really interesting option later on. And I wanted to kind of mention him because it's something we something we really haven't talked about yet. Uh, Osa Odingzua. He is a guy out of UCLA. Interior defensive lineman. He's got that length. He's got power. He knows how to use leverage well. He is a player that I think the Vikings will, will be very interested in targeting because he, he is a good athlete and he's got length. And that's two things the Vikings really covet on their defensive line. I think that you use him as, as sub-packages early on, and he can gain a little bit of weight, learn how to use technique a little better, and you can use him as a potential starting three technique moving forward. Well, I'm about to uh, say, he's a little short, which lends it to moving down. But I think 6'2", wasn't that Everson Griffin's height? Yeah, Griffin was 6'2", and 5'8", I think. Yeah, something like that. But... Like, if you're six two, that's not really a detriment. If you're six flat, that's a little tough. <laughs> like, not six. six. Oh, even at six feet, back in my day, for line play was small. Yeah, and I th- I think you can be fine at six foot two. Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, you'd like to see him like six three and a half, six four, ideal. But six two, I, I'm not considering that a detriment. So I would well, want to take here, Oding Zua. Okay, done. But David Moore's on the board. I love David Moore, but we did we did get two offensive linemen early. David Moore's available at one forty three. I'll probably find the table for him, and he's not. Sad day. Anyways, we've gotten. An edge player, we've gotten an interior defensive lineman, we've gotten a corner, mm-hmm. we've gotten a receiver, we've got a tackle. We've done a lot to really fortify the Vikings with good players, good value, at positions of need. So I think right now you can. It, this would be a, a good time to take a luxury pick if if you found a guy that you loved that wasn't. That wasn't necessarily the biggest need. One guy that's standing up to me right now is actually the guy you're highlighting right now, Dave. His name is James, James Wiggins, Wiggins, the safety out of Cincinnati. I, I was turned on to him by somebody I work with at Blue Chip Scouting named Devin Jackson, and he loves James Wiggins. Uh, Wiggins is a hyper-athlete. He's got that really cool aesthetic where it's yeah, it's it kind of like the Zeke thing with the crop top mm-hmm. and and the, the back plates just flopping around like it's 1994. Like, I love that shit. It's it's called I, a mullet. I, I, I am a sucker uh, for the, the back plate. And the guy is explosive. He, he needs to refine his technique and use his football IQ a little better. But he's quick, he's rangy, and he is unafraid to help in the run game. And I think 
at you put him in the same safety room as Harrison Smith and he can learn and he can grow. You have Xavier Woods, at least for this year. I think you're looking at an ideal scenario uh, for a guy to learn and develop and he can play special teams. And compete. That's a big Josh Metellus. Um, I remember when Josh Metellus got drafted, I'm like, why did we draft this guy? This guy stinks. And he hasn't really shown anything to for me to um, waver from that opinion. All right, so we go James Wiggins. And our draft is complete through four rounds, and we don't need to see what everybody else did. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Jalen Phillips, Quinn Miners, Spencer Brown, Israel Mukuwamu, Anthony Schwartz, Osa Odingzua, James Wiggins. Dave, we did pretty good here. I'm happy with it. Well, I think we hit all the Vikings' perceived needs uh, immediately or relatively close. We bolstered that offensive line. We did get an extra corner to help develop in that room. We got an extra safety to develop in that room. And we've got an Osa, however you pronounce his last name, Odie. Oding Zua. Oding Zua. A guy that can go into the rotation and develop is that bridge between edge and three technique. So I think we did really, really well on this one. I would be pleased if this is how it worked out. Yeah, me too. I think I think we did a fantastic job, Dave. And I think that when Ryan comes back next week, we can make fun of him because he had no influence on this draft, and this might be the best one we've done, and especially because there's Absolutely. no Oklahoma guys. No Oklahoma Sooners, baby. Uh, but in all seriousness, I think I think this is this feels like a realistic option for what the Vikings could have because I'm becoming more and more convinced by the day that they're going to go off or defensive end and take that edge rusher in round one because this offensive tackle class is just stupid. It's so good. And you can get starters on day two. And I think even though we may not like it, you may not want it to happen. I think we need to really come to that conclusion that edge is likely and Mike Zimmer gets his toys. He always has. He always will. And the offensive line premium is just not there for what this organization prioritizes. So Jalen Phillips, opposite to Neil Hunter. Hope he stays healthy. Good luck. Mm-hmm. Oh, if he stays healthy. Oh, it's beautiful, Dave. It's going to be beautiful. And, and I, like I said, I think we've solved most of the O-line problems as well. And for here out, out, we could call it No Excuse 2021. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And with that, Dave, we kept it under an hour. <laughs> that's, the, that's the first time we've done that. <laughs> now, I want everybody to like, subscribe, and ring the bell if you haven't already. Be available tomorrow night, same time, same channel, 8 o'clock Central for another exciting live show. It'll be in the huddle with your favorite climbing the pocket personalities. And I'm sure we'll learn more of the Gladney issue by then, and that'll be Mm -hmm. hot on our minds. Any last words, Tyler? 
No, um, I think we did a fantastic job, and this is uh, – I'm really, really getting excited for uh, draft day and our live stream. And uh, yeah, be on the lookout because we're, we're going to have – days. A, yeah, we're going to have uh, my positional rankings coming out as well uh, in video clips. About 15 minutes long per position – and you are not going to want to miss them because it, it has been a long process and I am very proud of all the hard work we put in and it's going to be exemplified by uh, everything we're going to do over the next three weeks. And you will get on during the live draft broadcast, you will get representation from every single one climbing the pocket network shows, including mm-hmm. unbelievable. We're going to have those guys on as well and some special guests. Hopefully the Vikings do as well as we did tonight. Yes. And until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and by all means, go Vikings! Thank you for watching or listening. As always, if you like, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications. And if you're listening to the podcast, Please rate us on your favorite aggregate. Skull, everybody.